making waves, inspiring change, opening doors to an equal future. Here on the Trapes and Globe on Wheels Disability Advocacy Podcast, host Ming Canada journeys with an array of guests through the multifaceted world of disability advocacy. Guests will share their insights and will discuss some of today's most crucial questions and topics, as well as provide perspectives into the current disability rights movement and lifestyles of people around the world. Let's make waves together in the disability movement. Enjoy the episode. Today, we had the honor of welcoming John Lancaster onto our show. He was a second lieutenant in the U.S. Marine Corps. He commanded a combat infantry platoon in Vietnam where he earned a Purple Heart and Bronze Star in 1968. John retired as the executive director of the National Council on Independent Living, also known as NICL. NICL is the oldest disability grassroots organization run by and for people with disabilities. NICL advances the independent living philosophy and advocates for the full integration and participation of people with disability in society. John also served as the treasurer of the Board of Trustees for Humanity and Inclusion. Additionally, he served as a board of the United States International Council on Disabilities, also known as USID, as past president. John also served on the board of the Global Universal Design Commission and the Potsdam New York Humane Society. So a very rich career. John Lancaster, welcome to the Trips and Global on Wheels podcast hour. Thank you very much, Ming. It's a pleasure to be here. Of course. So we're going to kick off with our first question. So I know that you became a paraplegic resulting from a single AK-47 around piercing your lungs and hitting your spinal column while you were serving in Vietnam. And uh, can you share with us the impact your injury has had on your life um, immediately after it happened? Immediately after it happened? Well, it was, uh, um, I almost died there in the battlefield, for lack of uh, uh, a better word. I survived, uh, did triage, um, and spent some time off the coast of Vietnam on a hospital ship, the USS Repose, uh, was eventually medevaced by a Da Nang and um, Guam and San Francisco and Illinois and over Air Force Base, uh, back to St. Albans Naval Hospital on Long Island and uh, did uh, initial healing and rehab there for about uh, three months and that whole getting uh, to St. Albans took one month. So about three months into it then, then I was shipped to the Spinal Cord Injury Center at the VA Cleveland uh, Hospital in the VA Hospital in Cleveland, Ohio. And there I did about eight months of uh, physical, all kinds of rehab for my spinal cord injury and was discharged in February of 1969. Uh, Went home to my parents' house and they had done some incredible things to make it accessible for me and were tremendous support and quickly learned 
how inaccessible and difficult my world was. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm back sure. Then, back then, you couldn't get on a bus. Couldn't get in and out of buildings. You couldn't. You couldn't. You couldn't. You know. Yeah, which leads me to the next question, actually, John. Um, is what was the hardest part about? You know, transitioning from being an able-bodied person to someone with a disability, um, and you know, using a wheelchair all of a sudden. Yeah, a lot of frustration, uh, a lot of anger, um, a lot of depression, and that was also related to the whole, you know, scene in Vietnam because uh, the night I was hit and got wounded, I also. Uh, lost four guys in my uh, platoon. They were killed. So, not to mention all the Vietnamese that were killed and the 18 in my platoon that were seriously wounded. And we have no idea how many enemy were wounded. We have a good idea how many were dead, but not how many were wounded. So, have guys you're responsible for killed or to kill other people. It's just nasty business. So it took a while to get over that. What do you wish you would have known when you first became injured that you know now about living as a person with a disability, being in a wheelchair? Um, the biggest thing I wish I had known um, was the importance of physical fitness and learning how to stay there without um, overdoing it so that when you get to be my age, your shoulders still work (laughs) and and you aren't looking total shoulder replacement surgery. So, (laughs) so if I, if I could look back and say any one thing right now, since uh, that's, um, been a difficulty and a consideration that I never would have thought of related to disability. Um, That would be it. Staying fit, staying light, not too heavy, um, staying active, healthy, and um, not wearing out too fast. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, because the rest of it's been a great life. I mean, a lot of ups and downs, and it was uh, at first tough to realize that it could be so great, but it has been. And the whole experience of Vietnam and my disability ultimately defined my career and uh, the fantastic career it's been. Can you elaborate just a little bit on the, you know, conserving your energy and you know shoulder not straining your shoulders because obviously we all want to live a active fulfilling productive life but what does that look like when we're trying to really balance it you know in the whole large span of life um yeah that's a good question that's a good question i think i think frankly even able-bodied people haven't figured that out you know, people who were athletic, whether they're professionally athletic or just athletic and fit, 
you know, to go along with whatever their day job is. But um, I don't think uh, human beings have totally figured it out, but it's even a bigger challenge uh, for other disabilities too. And uh, so what does it look like? I would say is a better understanding of what your new way of moving, so to speak, is like in a, I use a wheelchair. So when you're in the wheelchair, you're, you know, you're pushing and that's a lot of use on the hands, the elbows, the shoulders, um, you know, the back muscles and probably your pectoral and a few other things. So you got to look at, um, you want to use them, you want to keep them in really good shape. Uh, but you also got to understand that sooner or later, um, cartilage, tendons start to get older and more brittle and and so there becomes a whole question of everything from diet to i'd say pacing yourself at the at the at the right pace so that you don't do damage and that's also hard for someone who has an active lifestyle like you and like i used to because my wife christine and i we We've literally traveled many places in the world um, long before there was good access. <laughs> so you'd put yourself in impossible places in impossible bathrooms. And, uh, you know, for example, when uh, you have to, you know, use the toilet in a way that you're definitely sitting on it and you're someplace in say Southeast Asia and you cannot stand or walk at all. And the only toilet is a, a hole in the ground. Then you have to start figuring out some adaptations pretty quick. <laughs> so, um, and then what's that take in terms of your musculature to get yourself in that position or when you go into some impossible hotel in some place or is now often the case in many hotels even in this country and you look at the bed and the bed's up about almost even with your shoulders and you're saying how the heck am i going to get up into this thing <laughs> you know so you you start to um, you start to use your muscles in a way that might be putting undue strain on them to make do in the situation you're in and can even do uh, damage, uh, especially if your tendons and ligaments and things are starting to get brittle or mm -hmm. suppleness. So. so you once said that we need a paradigm shift. Um, when it comes to employment for individuals with disabilities. And uh, what, what, what do we need to shift to? And how can we create this paradigm shift? Um, and what can current leaders do to achieve this paradigm shift? Yeah, I, I think um, the more the disability community continue to can continue to push our uh, issues 
and the identity of people with disabilities um, to the forefront in the sense of inclusion and to the background in the sense of the differences. And I don't think we've quite achieved the balance yet because we haven't been able to educate the public that so that the public really gets it and accepts it that affirmative action supports accommodations accessibility these are all about inclusion and equaling or at least balancing out a little bit the playing field of being in life and participating and contributing and we haven't yet found out how to sell that to the entire masses in a way that everybody gets it a lot of people are starting to get in it and i think we've made vast progress in that area and i think that the more we stay in communication with and working with other civil rights efforts whether it's the women's movement or African-Americans, Hispanics, Asians, um, LBGQ, you know, the whole thing. And the more we move towards an inclusive uh, society, uh, then I think the quicker we'll get there. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and came away with some information that you can now take with you to create your own change. If you would like more information about Trapes and Globe Lawn Wheels, please visit trapesandglobelonwheels.com. And that's Trapesin, T-R-A-I-P-S-I-N. And for updates and other TGOW-related news, follow our social media pages on Instagram and Facebook, both with handles Trapes and Globe Lawn Wheels, and then also LinkedIn and Twitter. You can find the links below in the description box or on our main channel page. We sincerely appreciate your support and we'll catch you again next time.